gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another stellar episode here for your enjoyment. We're going to cover Bellator. They have a show in Milan, Italy. We'll glance over that. You know how I feel about some of the Bellator European shows, but I do like to mention it, especially when they have a decent main event or some key fights that I want to mention. UFC, they had a fight card. They weren't much better, let me tell you. Yeah, there was some good fights. I enjoyed it, but telling you, man, there's this big drop-off from pay-per-views to some of these fight nights, and especially when an unfortunate incident takes place in the main event. I'm sure you all know by now, Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen. That one was, eh. But Jake Paul did fight Anderson Silva, and say what you will about low-level boxing or high-level celebrity boxing or whatever this is, the influencer versus... um. Past their prime athletes, who knows? That fight was pretty exciting. Scores were everywhere. But in the end, Jake Paul stays undefeated. So we'll go over that as well. So we'll be right back to reset things up and have a great show. All right, folks. MMA Junkie Radio on a Monday, October 31st. Happy Halloween. So goes, we'll probably finish with Jake Paul and Anderson Silva because we just recorded, or not recorded, we just broadcasted spinning back click and spent a lot of time on it. So give me a chance to breathe here. But uh, we we didn't talk about Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen, and we should have. This fight had all the potential to steal the show on Saturday. That goes for, obviously, Bellator, the boxing match, and just be talked about as, a fight that matters, you know. Maybe Volkanovski shouldn't be moving out because so-and-so rose to the occasion. Instead, we had another letdown, an injury that started in round one. It, it definitely ended in round two. Calvin Cater, knee injury. We still don't know all the details, but he looks like a pretty serious one. And uh, Arnold Allen, of course, is the winner. Didn't want it that way, but there you have it. Now, remember, we had Ortega. He had an injury, right? Rakic, earlier in the year, he had an injury. We had another one, too, in the light heavyweight division. I'm blanking on it. But anyway, um, we've we, we just been really, really snake bit in terms of, you know, injuries hurting uh, our main events. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, too, with uh, Aaron Pico, with uh, Pico, yeah. Dillashaw. There you go. These type of things that happen. Um, but there's not much you can do to really combat them. I think, if anything, we should just be thankful that we we didn't have too many of these pop up the way they do in, in other sports. Uh, but the one thing that I will point at is, and it's so hard, like, you know, you got to be a Monday morning quarterback. But I feel like in the first round, yes, he was hurt. Something happened. But he tried to gut through it. And when he gutted through it in round two, it seems like uh, we, we don't know officially what it is, 
but you could see his knee like you could just see it unravel like wh- whatever was in there popped and i don't know if at the end of round one if he just walks away if he's looking at maybe a couple months of rehab you know to strengthen something and he's right back now trying to get through it you know this could be a potential thing that could take up to a year or a surgery and that's hard to kind of that's kind of hard to identify in the moment uh sometimes fighters are their own worst enemies but it's you got a minute to figure this all out you know but it's unfortunate that it happened right away at the start of that second round and um calvin cater is a fighter that has just always kind of been on the cusp and every time he gets close something happens that pushes him back so i know he's got to be gutted not to mention half of that arena was calvin cater supporters you know that's a rough one for him yeah yeah dillashaw was the one that was obviously blanking on but remember aspinall versus blades in london remember that one ended Mm -hmm. early too so it's i think what's happening is those strength and conditioning sessions you're seeing are mma fighters evolving taking their skills to another level and they're basically doing the types of drills that you see a lot of mainstream athletes do especially football players some basketball players and when you do push your bodies to certain limits and you're abusing them in the sense of all the damage that you take the weight cutting you know your diet suffers for a few months of the year where you just don't nourish your body the way you're supposed to but yet it's supposed to hold up and that and then here's the other thing i was thinking about over the weekend fighting used to be two guys or gals standing and they usually start throwing fists. And then if the fight hits the ground, it hits the ground. But you're seeing so much athleticism. Again, going back to what your um, training and, and your strength and conditioning, you're able to do some of these fantastic feats of athleticism in the fight. Um, and when you do, sometimes your body just explodes and it's too much for the tendons and the ligaments. Um hey, you know, the first knee injury, the, the first time you saw Calvin Cater go down, it, it seemed pretty random. Like, I didn't see very much stress on it. And then even the second time, he got kicked on the other leg. And then that's when the knee gave. You know what I mean? So um, you see it in football all the time. Somebody will be running, and then, boom, the pop is there. I don't think it's necessarily that sprint, that cut. It's probably just wear and tear from off season and training and practice you know and in the game yeah it just you explode at the right time your muscles uh want to do something spectacular but like i say we just i don't know if we were created to put that much stress on certain ligaments and tendons i don't think we were and it's really unfortunate these guys have to push their bodies so far you know and and what sucks is the big paychecks don't come till later you know so they do this for most of their life and then once that body's starting to to go downhill is when they're really reaping the benefits. So that's what makes them push even longer than probably what they have to. But the, the stress of uh, preparing for a mixed martial arts fight is just tremendous compared to other sports. Yeah. And there's different levels, different degrees, different, you know, the severity of these injuries. When Calvin Cater went to the corner, he goes, what, you know, I could hear his coach Tyson Chartier tell him, what happened? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, I'm, he was still kind of trying to figure it out, figured out himself. So some people will say, well, Conor McGregor fought with a torn ACL in the Max Holloway fight. And Max Holloway, by the way, I think fought with a high ankle sprain or something pretty bad as well. They gutted it out. True. There have been some fighters with no ACL 
to start to fight, fight and do well. There's different degrees to the severity of it, you know? And sometimes it's the trauma that you feel in the fight. So at that moment in time, he probably thought maybe it was another one of the ligaments and he could do something. And he might have made it worse by coming out in round two. So the question to me, to you guys, is should he have come out for round two? If he was kind of feeling compromised and unsure, do you just pack it up and and go? Or is that too tough for the fighter to comprehend the – the athlete on earth that probably pushes their their body and mind further than anyone else. It's a lot to ask and you have to really sit down and, and think about it. Like it's, it's not just about your health that the fighters probably sitting there trying to figure out uh, what his options are. It's letting down the, perfor- the, the promoter, right? You're the main event. Um, are they ever going to take a chance on me ever again? If I do this, are they going to be pissed off? Am I not going to get a fight now because of this? Uh, those are the things that these guys kind of have to deal with in that situation. And, you know, you have very limited time. I wish he would have kind of moved around a little bit more. I think he did kind of like hop a little bit. But really, um, where the tear appears to have happened, that's where it's your side-to-side movement, right? So I wish he would have just kind of done a little bit more of that to see uh, what he was dealing with. But at the same time, you're kind of telling your opponent that something's wrong as well. So it's such a difficult uh, situation to be in. You know, after the Max Holloway fight that Calvin Cater had, I mean, he took like a year off just to recover and be right. Um, he has nothing to prove to anybody. Tough hombre for sure. And I don't know, man. I I, I think I would have maybe, I would have maybe thought about it. Um, it was enough to take him off his feet, you know, and. When you were able to see, here's the here's the thing that's unfair. I watch football, a lot of it, and and even basketball. And I'm sure you have too. You'll see, especially when it happens with concussions. But this happens with other types of injuries. Even soccer, they'll take the time to have the trainers come out and look at you. In soccer, they'll kind of take them off the pitch. They'll look at them. They'll try out a few different things, and then you determine if you can come back on or not. In football, same thing. Sometimes they go under the tent, whether it's a concussion thing or just to look at something else. I've even seen them run into the locker room. Same thing with basketball. They can return 15 minutes later. Big applause. Yes. You know, he's toughing it out or whatever. But you've had a chance to look at it. Here in our sport, you kind of don't have that chance. You have to make a quick decision, right? And, yeah, you can make it worse um, or you can possibly gut it through. But think about how Arnold Allen, you know, I mean, I don't want to sound like a jerk or anything, but beating Arnold Allen is obviously not easy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's only lost the one time, and in the UFC, he's 10-0. Imagine beating Arnold Allen with that knee injury. Like, there has to be, I think, some logic to it all where this just isn't a good idea. Now, you're not going to get your win bonus. I get it. But you might be able to fight in four to six months because this knee injury isn't so bad. Now you might be out for a year. I don't know. It sounds like I'm shitting on him and the team. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to just hopefully to anyone that listens to this show that is associated with a fighter or a coach or anything like that in the future thinks about these things because we're still evolving our sport. I I think we still learn from from, uh, one year to the next. And I'm gutted for the guy. I've always thought Calvin Cater could be a champ because I really believed he had some of the best hands 
in the division, and he was very charming. I thought he could be a star for the UFC. Um, but, you know, he's taking a couple losses here and there. This one's really, really going to hurt him because what happens is when I originally thought that that was five years ago, and now obviously you start climbing up there in age, and let's face it, it's usually a younger man's sport. Now, that said, I want to congratulate Arnold Allen for what he's done. Again, incredible. We've seen this guy since Cage Warriors. So he's been on our radar for a while. But, man, I really thought this was going to be a good fight, and I really thought Calvin Cater was going to win this fight because I thought his boxing would take over, his pressure would take over. I thought Arnold Allen looks pretty damn good. And, uh, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about last week with who's left for Volkanovski. Well, Arnold Allen, I thought, looked good enough to, to warrant some talk. I think Josh Emmett has looked good enough to warrant some talk. Now, does that mean that we're favoring them to beat Alexander Volkanovsky? No, but it also doesn't mean that it's going to be Volk minus 400 or anything like that. So it's going to be interesting, dude. I mean, like we're all already talking about Volkanovsky uh, going up and fighting Makashev, but nothing's been announced. I I just feel like there's still some, some work to do at featherweight. Yeah, for sure. Both of those guys are in the running. I would say Emmett's ahead of Arnold Allen. This could have helped Arnold Allen a lot if it had been a test of will where he was down a bit and then he came back and got the finish and showed off some skills. This could have been the type of fight where you could maybe leapfrog a Josh Emmett. But I thought he was behind going in and behind coming out of it. And, uh, you know, I know Yair Rodriguez doesn't have as long as a, of a path to get to the title because he's just Yair Rodriguez. He's popular. The UFC, I think, really wants to feature him, you know, and, and he comes from a, a country mm-hmm. that has a lot of combat sports athletes, you know, and they back it. And so the, the he's, never, he's not going to have to have the types of streaks that the, these two are going to have to have. But we have three of them, and the champ apparently wants to move up and be a champ champ. So when he can do that, well, it sounds like February. So as soon as he could fight at, for the featherweight title, and this is me pushing it here, is like May or June, and we're in October. So if they went the route of an interim title, you know the UFC likes to have titles whenever they can, and it would benefit the guys because the winner for sure gets to unify versus the undisputed, and he gets uh, pay-per-view points. Of those three, who do you match up? Poof. Well, location has a lot to do with, but I'm more of a guy that uh, I just feel like there are moments where people can bypass people in rankings and stuff. It's going to happen, but I, I don't think you could, you can avoid streaks, you know, and two guys, Arnold Allen and Josh Emmett have pretty decent ones. I feel like Emmett is ahead of him just because of the, the level of opposition and the way he's looked. Uh, so I guess I'd favor Emmett in this one. Mm-hmm. Emmett over Allen. Yeah. And you would leave Yair Rodriguez off to the side. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I thought for sure you'd match up Yair against one of the two. I think well, I'd go Yair versus oh, no, no. Emmett. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Whatever's left over, I would try and match them up. Yeah. Well, look. I I, I guess I really do like Volk's hustle. He broke his hand. I mean, look at, for example, Aljamain Sterling. He's saying, I, I I deserve it. I'm not fighting until June. I disagree with that. 
Why do you deserve it? Um, sure, you fought hard, your your camp, all that stuff. That's nice. And you've been in the UFC for a long time. But part of being the champion is kind of defending it. And you got Henry Cejudo barking at you. And you got Sean O'Malley barking at you. And we're giving you a pass that you don't even have to fight Davalashvili, who's one of your best mates, right? Mm-hmm. You also got Cheeto Vera right behind. So why June? Like, I'm thinking you can have all the holidays off. And you don't need to go to Perth, Australia. You just went to uh, Abu Dhabi. You don't need to go to Rio de Janeiro. So we're leaving January and February alone. But either in March or April, they're going to the UK for Usman versus Edwards. And then the other one will be in Vegas. I'd like to see Aljo on on one of those two. Move it up a couple months. This is the game. This is the career you chose. You know what I mean? And sitting on titles is, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's been that active. Right to to kind of demand this break. Usually we can tell when a fighter's been pretty active. You go, yeah, man, that has been a few. We're good with that, but I don't know that it has uh, resulted that way. Yeah, like Volk is like that. Izzy's like that. I think where you could say, all right, man, these guys are fighting. They deserve it. Um, but you know, Aljo has held things up too with injuries. So yeah, I, yeah, I'd have to disagree. He fought in April of this year against Jan. And Dillashaw. Okay, that's a good year. April and October. I get it. But before that fight, it had been over a year because his last fight was March of 2021. That was the accidental knee that resulted in him being champ. A whole year went by. Remember Peter Young and I think it was Corey Sanhagen had the fight for the interim or something like that. Was it that? I forget. Um, But I remember there was an interim along the way. And uh, and then before that fight was March 2020. So if you go back to Aljamain Sterling, he's fought twice in 2019, once in 20, once in 21, and two times in 2022. Like that's not that active. And the and the Sanigan fight was quick. You know. Mm-hmm. Now I know the fighters will say, "Well, it's the camp. It's not. It's not necessarily the fight." Okay, true. Yeah, it is. But I I, I don't know. Now going back to my point. Volkanovski has stayed busy. I don't believe in anyone trying to defend two belts. If he wants to go up and try and win it, cool. But then relinquish one after a month. Go on your tour, your press tour. Show off both belts. I get it. But then let go of one of them. The the accomplishment, the the feat itself is in the fact that you want them both. Having to defend them both, that doesn't make you, to me, any more of a badass. It gets pointed out when you talk about the GOATs and things like that, which I'm sure he aspires to be. But I don't see it being some massive tiebreaker or anything like that so Sahudo did it kudos to him cormier did it kudos to him and amanda nunez did it kudos to mm-hmm. her however of those three none of them were ever regarded as the goat so it True. didn't really you know do it for them like it's just something that's nice to to show off um anyway the that's how the card ended with that knee injury in round two so that was definitely unfortunate we wish the best to calvin cater i hope he comes back uh 100 he's 34 i guess we'd expect to see him somewhere around mid 35 because his birthday's in march it just it does seem like a a couple different tears a couple different injuries within the knee took place and hopefully that gets cleaned up quick um max griffin defeated tim means via split decision 
In the co-main event, Waldo Cortez Acosta defeated Jared Vanderall. I like that fight. Those mm-hmm. guys were kind of like really, really into it. Unanimous decision there. Trazion Gore defeated Josh Friend. He got a submission guillotine from a weird angle, and it looked like he wanted to decapitate him. But he was big, ahead of him. The last fight, Gore got knocked out bad, so Gore really, really needed this dub. And then yeah, Khalil Routry beat Dustin Jacoby via split decision. Uh, I, I, yeah, he, that was a close one, man. I thought Jacoby won the body of the fight, the 15 minutes, but under 10-9, I, I could see how Roundtree won. I know you wanted to uh, chime in on a few of these. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, aside from the, the Trajan Gore fight, a lot of those were close fights. They were fun. Um, I kind of agree with you, too. I want to go back and watch that again. The Justin, I, I felt like Justin, sorry, Dustin Jacoby won the fight. Um, but I might be looking at it as a whole. Like I didn't really score it as I was watching it. So I really want to go back and nitpick. But uh, Dustin was taking a lot more shots than I remember him taking in fights. Uh, defense kind of slipped that night. And Khalil uh, was was a very smart fighter. And I thought he was getting great advice in the corner. But I do want to go back and watch that fight. It was really, really close. Yeah, no doubt. Roma Delizzi knocked out Phil Haas. Uh, Phil Haas also was a compromised fighter. And then he took a really, really vicious KO. Marcos Rogerio de Lima, he submitted Andre Arlovsky. Park Junyong defeated Joseph Holmes, rear naked choke there. Steve Garcia, big upset, defeated Chase Hooper. Round one, too. Uh, mm-hmm. TKO stoppage there. Cody Durden defeated Carlos Mota. Decision, unanimous. And the first fight of the night had Christian Rodriguez defeating Joshua Me- Weems, excuse me, submission via Anaconda choke. The bonuses, no fight of the night. They gave four performance of the nights, and they went to Tracy Gore, Roman Delice, Steve Garcia, and Christian Rodriguez. I'm glad Gore got a, a bonus. That dude going back to the Ultimate Fighter, I know he kind of got like a, a bunch of crap, but uh, his story is pretty unique, and I think you could tell he probably needed that that bonus. So kid fought his ass off. Um the hype didn't really live up coming out of off the show, but you know this could be a good step forward, and maybe he can keep building off of it. Had a really nice uh, post fight speech too. Mm-hmm. You know that Acosta fight, um, man, that guy's got a pretty good chin, and he makes it entertaining. Remember, this is the guy that we interviewed. They used to be a former pitcher with the Cincinnati Reds, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. He was taking some leg kicks, so he had to switch his stance a lot. And I thought the leg kicks might eventually get him. But it seemed like the leg kicks, if anything, even though they were slowing him down, they were pissing him off. And then uh, Vandera, I mean, pff, that guy can take a punch because Cortez Acosta hit him with some good, good punches. But that was a really, really fun heavyweight fight to watch. And uh, I expect to see more out of Cortez Acosta. I think he has a really, really big future. Um, Delice versus Haas, man, just again the injuries you know brutal and then when you have to take a vicious ko like that i i felt like that one maybe didn't have to go down the way it did andre arlovsky man he fights a lot he collects big paychecks good for him he's found a way to do it you know stacking some paper based off of his name but i i I don't know that i want to see him fight too much more honestly there there's just not much that he brings to the table we know he's not going to fight for a title again, so he's just kind of out there. 
I guess, filling up cards. But all I keep hearing about is that there's too many fighters. Now, that said, I know that people will say, hey, man, this guy's a legend, a former champion. You trying to get him cut or what? I don't know what I'm trying to get him. Um, but what I can tell you is I this is just not the Andre Alaska that I remember. It's a you big know, paycheck, too. Definitely That's a point it. fighter. And I don't know that there's much added to the card because he's on it. So I feel like he's he's a body that they need, that they use, um, which almost goes against what I keep hearing, that the roster's too packed and there's too many fighters. But I wonder if there's too many fighters asking for certain paydays and they're not getting it. So they keep kind of going back to their old reliables, you know? It's a, it's a really big contract that they got to pay out for a guy like Andre Arlovsky per fight. So I don't know, man. Like, I'm I'm happy because I think back to, like, remember just running into him, like, at MGM, just playing poker, like, um, even at Anaheim. Like, this is a long-ass career that he's had. So I'm glad that he's making good money because he probably should have been making this money back then. Mm-hmm. Where at a certain time he was helping carry the UFC, um, so I'm glad he's getting it. But yeah, I, you just never know when that last shot's gonna be that's gonna really change your life. And I don't know that that's worth it. I, I have to believe in the last couple of years he's stacked up a lot of paper. Probably got a nice little uh, paycheck over there at Affliction too. Hopefully he's got a lot of money. But you just never know when that last shot's gonna be. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. He just keeps popping up on these cards and fighting somebody, and the fights are usually pretty close. But to me, it looks like he knows the system. He knows how to get wins, you know. And, I mean, in a way, like I say, good for him. But I, I, I don't know that much other than that is being accomplished. I don't know that the UFC is really gaining much or what. By the way, on MMA decisions, it was 29-28, Jacoby, unanimous. Oh, sorry, there was two for Roundtree. No. It was about another 12 or 14 for Jacoby. So just pointing that out. Um, Chase Hooper, I saw this in the chat during spinning back, like said the UFC should cut him. You know, this guy's kind of unique because obviously he looks like a – a bookworm, right? That turned to fighting. And there's times when this guy goes out there and he actually looks pretty good, goes, and because he's young, I keep thinking, man, this guy's gonna turn the pay. You know what he reminds me of is kind of like Joe Lazon, kind of like the the IT geek of the <laughs> office, but he can basically whoop on everyone. Yeah. But Lazon's kind of a lot further along, you know, obviously started by beating Jens Pulver, a former champion, but he was winning key fights along the way. Uh, Chase Hooper still occasionally drops fights. I mean, Steve Garcia, I I, I thought he should have beaten Steve Garcia. Like he would be the, the king of the Fries fighting championship or something? Yeah. Like he just doesn't have the luck. Um, and the UFC, you could tell they like him, and I think they try and put him in matchups that are somewhat favorable, but it, it's just not working out. Exactly. Garcia was one and two going into this fight in the UFC, so he needed this. If not, he would have lost. Mm-hmm. But he took out Chase Hooper, so that might have gotten him a new contract. I don't know. Usually they're four-fight contracts when you're at their level. But good for them. Uh, any final thoughts on UFC? 
Yeah, it was just a okay card. A lot of people were kind of shitting on it. I thought the main card was fun. That was pretty good. But it got outshined that night. Yeah, you know, it was just it, if it wasn't for college football, I think, and maybe Paul Silva later on, it probably can just be there and we'll all go, okay, cool. What are you doing Sunday? But, you know, you have so much going on with the World Series, college football, NHL, and NBA started up again. And then obviously the world turned on again. So there's so much to do concerts and Halloween parties and, you know, time with the family. There's just a lot of forms of entertainment. So when you're shoving something at us, like I say, I feel like I'm turning on. Um, what's a good? I feel like I'm turning on. You know, when you go to DirecTV, you usually go to ESPN, and then you go to ABC and Fox and Turner or TNT. I don't know, whatever Showtime. I feel like I'm watching Bravo Channel, and I'm watching Boston College versus Virginia Tech. You know, notice I didn't say Appalachian State or anything like that. But I'm watching two teams back east that aren't in the top 25, that some years they are, some years they're not, that have produced some athletes from time to time. But really, like if you just told me, I heard Boston College beat Virginia Tech 30 to 30 or 30 to 29, I'd go, oh, and not ask you a follow-up question or anything like that. I feel like that's what some of these UFC cards are, you know, with like, Araujo and and um, what's her face Grasso. I mean, I mean, maybe Grasso's a little closer to a title shot, so her fight mattered. But man, then you get back to a pay per view and you see what happened in Abu Dhabi. Like, that's what I'm all about. You know what I mean? I'm becoming an MMA snob again. Yeah, eh, it's not the worst thing, but I mean, remember you're trying to pull us away from other stuff, and that's not the on to start on paper. It's not the card to do it. And then the way it played out, um, you know, plays out over the entire day, that that card just gave you too many pockets to walk away. Yeah, true. Bellator had something earlier on in the day. Adam Piccolotti, everybody thought he was going to win. He lost to Mansoor Barnawi. He got choked out in round two of the main event. Charles, uh, Fabian Edwards defeated Charlie Ward. Fabian Edwards is a recent guest of ours on MMA Junkie, and that's the uh, brother of Leon Edwards, the UFC welterweight champion. Tim Wilde defeated Saul Rogers. I'm sure a lot of you remember Saul Rogers from The Ultimate Fighter. That was the Faber and McGregor season, if I'm not mistaken. So other than that, I didn't see too many other names that I guess I want to spend too much time uh, covering. You know, we love Bellator when they have their best fighters going. Okay, cool. But Bellator kind of falls into the, into the same umbrella for me as these UFC fight nights that just, I don't know, they, they lack something. Yeah. Uh, especially when they go, I mean, not always when they go overseas, but man, there's certain countries that when you know they're going there, it's just just not enough, guys. Now, a bet will change anything. You put 100 bucks on one of these fighters, you'll sit on the edge of your seat. You know, a bet changes everything, right? But if you're not doing that, like, just tell me later. Tell me who won. Like, mm-hmm. I'm good. Um, Let's get to Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. So it happened. 
This guy's not out of our lives. Danny Segura on SPC said some interesting stuff. It it really has become this guy's just picking apart our sport. First, he bashes fighter pay. He comes at Dana White, and then he trashes the retired fighters. And each time, we all keep thinking, nah, this one's going to do it. This one's going to do it. Anderson Silva didn't get didn't get it done. I thought he was going to get it done because I thought Anderson, the boxing that I've seen him done has been at a higher level than the boxing I've seen from Jake Paul. Yet here we are. Um, Jake Paul defeated him 78-73 on two judges' scorecards, 77-74 on another judges' scorecard. They went eight rounds. He did get a 10-8 in round eight, and he also round one. He also won round six, seven, and eight. So prior to that, this fight was winnable for Anderson Silva. And then all of a sudden, he just slowed down dramatically. I just don't get it. Um, I don't see, even on Anderson Silva's worst night, he should have beat Jake Paul. Jake Paul has improved, and he and he is improving every fight. But not to the level. Like I mean, come on, man. I know that. Striking is just one aspect of mixed martial arts, but Anderson Silva's pretty good at it. And in boxing, you know, he's got the length, he's got the movement, he goes to the body. Um, it just none of it made much sense to me. But Jake Paul got the the victory, and you know, that's three champs, former champions, right? Ben Askren was a champ as well, Bellator. Um but Anderson Silva is considered one of the greatest to ever do our sport. So I don't know how many L's MMA wants to take here, but he can keep doing this all day. Like I, I kind of, I'm kind of tired of this dish. You know, we've had it over and over the former MMA champion versus Ben uh, versus Jake Paul. I I'd like to see him uh, fight somebody else, but that's not going to draw eyeballs. You know what I mean? Like people aren't going to be, that fired up about it. People apparently seem to be really fired up about Nate Diaz, and I just I'm not. I'm I'm just very lukewarm lukewarm to it. I think uh, Jake Paul Jake Paul kind of uh, up the bar too much. You know, you're taking out former champions, and now you're going to go down and fight someone that wasn't a former champ, and someone that kind of seemed a little checked out in their last fight, looked a little bit older, a little bit slower. Um, Boxing's all about speed, footwork. Nate Diaz has none of that, right? He's just tough, right? <laughs> and you have those fighters in boxing, like a Vinny Pazienza or someone like that, right? Uh, somebody that would just come forward, but uh, I don't know, man. Like, what does Nate Diaz really bring to this fight that makes you guys all think he's going to take out Jake Paul? Jake Paul's a big big guy, too. Yeah. Um. Big, strong cat at 25 years of age. You know, I'm thinking as you're talking, what is worse when a fighter dogs it in MMA or dogs it in boxing? Because in boxing, you can dog it, but you're getting lit up in the process. You know what I mean? In MMA, I don't know. Like, Nate and Tony just, they look like shells of of themselves. And they did take the fight on late notice. At least Tony did. I'll, I'll probably give him a little bit more of a pass. Um, but, you know, in my mind, I'm comparing them to the top guys, which in this case is Makashev. At the time, it was Oliveira. 
And as I'm watching the fight, I'm going, man, you guys would have nothing for Oliveira or nothing for probably Leon, which Nate fought Leon and Tony fought Oliveira. Didn't go good for either one. Yeah, I know Nate had that one moment, but that's all it was, folks, was a moment. In 25 minutes, it was a moment. You know, four-ounce gloves, you better have a moment, right? Otherwise, what are you doing? But And Tony got manhandled by Oliveira. So what I'm more concerned goes with I'm just tired of seeing MMA lose the boxing. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Are they even really losing to boxing? Like when you think about it, if if you if you go on any of these boxing websites, if you go on Boxing Junkie, they hate Jake Paul. They hate having to write about that fool. So even that, like I don't even know what he really represents. Like Danny Segura was talking about it on SBC, like the crowd. I don't know that Jake Paul is really that good for boxing. I don't think he's bad for boxing, but I don't think he's great for it. Like I, I don't see these same people going, now I'm gonna watch Lomachenko fight. Like they're not doing that. This they're what what Jake Paul is presenting is a almost like a different sport. I don't know that there's that much crossover. I'd argue to say the fucking Creed movies probably do more for boxing than Jake Paul, I think. Like I could see somebody watching a Creed movie and going, I want to get in the gym and train, or I want to tune into some boxing. Like this to me is like celebrity deathmatch, you know, only with real people. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. However, showtime ain't ain't run by a bunch of dummies. They're paying this guy something to be a part of it. So that must mean that when he fights, eyeballs are brought to the sport. Yeah. And that benefits them when they have the higher level boxing. I think that's what they're thinking, you know. Now, it could be that some of these YouTube fans, these younger kids, just tune in for Jake Paul, and then they don't give a shit about anything else. You know, that's what I weekend, think. Uh, I thought Terrence Crawford would get booked against Earl Spence Jr. I mean, they, boxing sometimes just is their own worst enemy. They can't even make the best fights happen. You got Fury versus Chisora or whatever. Um, you know, they took forever for Triple G and Alvarez. Took forever for Mayweather and and May and Pacquiao. So, I think boxing can use Jake Paul to a certain extent for the eyeballs, for the attention. Um, so I don't think he's bad for boxing, but he ain't gonna do this forever, you know. So I don't know. Um, we're talking about it, and I'm just I'm just disappointed. I thought Silva was gonna get one back for MMA, and he didn't. I thought Woodley, when he went to a split decision in the first one, in the second one, he would do better. But then he gets fucking iced mm-hmm. and knocked out. So, whatever. Um, I, I've i kind of become a little bit of a fan of Jake Paul in the sense that I do like that he marches to the beat of his own drum. And McGregor and Dana White, they've butted heads with him, but he holds his own because he's rich. He's rich, popular, and undefeated, you know? So, um, I don't know. Now, here's what's the worst. The the ultimate trump card is that if McGregor and Paul met on the streets, it's not going to go good for Paul. It's not going to go good for any boxer versus an MMA fighter, but that don't happen, you know what I mean? So, for now, it's like you hear the story of Floyd Mayweather trying to um, scoop up Aljamain Sterling's girlfriend and Aljamain... Or now his fiance was gonna, you know, check him and set him straight, and that's what would happen. But there is no story of 
of where that happened. You know, for one, Floyd's surrounded by eight beefy dudes, so I don't think it would get to that. But yeah, I mean, sometimes we just kind of look like this, like the the B side, like a bunch of punks on the side. When in reality, we're the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. Yeah, I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah. Um. Well, Diaz has a a three month window where he can't negotiate with anyone else, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's like an extended period of time after that where the UFC can match offers. Now, what the UFC can do is just wave it and go, nah, you're free as of today. I think they did that with Asker Askarov, UFC mm-hmm. flyweight. He just said, uh, I got to get healthy. I keep missing weight. And they said, okay, with one fight le- left, we'll let you go. But I don't think the UFC is going to do that with Nate Diaz. So what I'm getting at is don't expect Paul versus Nate Diaz on January, you know, Super Bowl weekend. I think it's going to take a little bit longer, but I think eventually we are going to get it, and it's going to be a big fight. And unfortunately, before Diaz's last fight and this recent Jake Paul fight, I thought Diaz all day, and now I think Jake Paul's going to get him, and that kind of makes me mad again. Yeah, because we're all going to fall into the same trap. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Uh, Woody's kids, you know, Logan, Marcus, and uh, other kid. Why am I forgetting his name? Lucas. Lucas, they're uh, they'll probably be into it, right? But none of them are going to tune in the next week to Friday night fights or anything like that. It's its own entity, is really what it is. But I, I just don't see any ideas with too much of a, a chance to win this fight at all. Yeah. All right, folks, we're going to get on out of here. I know we gave you a long one there with Ben Askren in that interview that we had last week, so we're going to go a little bit shorter. Plus, I'm running a little bit on fumes. I just got my my booster, and it's been a long day, and we just did spinning backlink. But as always, we wanted to deliver junkie radio to you the way we have for the last 15-plus years. And as always, we'll always say this. Thank you for the support. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing the show. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for your, your friendship, especially the ones we've gotten to meet up close, uh, the ones that have stopped by the studio one time, whatever. It all means a lot to us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to see you all on Thursday. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about. Some big, big fight cards coming up. I'm I'm really getting excited for the one in New York. A couple title fights there. So anyway, things will get better, folks. Shout out again to Calvin Cater and his team. Uh, Hopefully they find out today that it was maybe the lesser of of, uh, the severity when it comes to the knee injury. He's a really, really nice kid, and I wanted to see him shine on Saturday night. Happy Halloween. Go out and be a champion. Take care.